Well, good afternoon, everybody. Um, as you know, my name is Roger Jiri, and uh, what I want to focus on really are some of the processes, some of the relationships, and the democracy and funding, which uh, are key factors, I think, which have affected the relationship between trade unions and labour over the years. Um, and yes, Jim's absolutely right. I'm going to focus more on the on the latter period, the last 20 or so years, um, because it's a, a period I'm very familiar with. Um, and, and what I'm going to say is based very much on my own experiences, uh, directly and indirectly. I was um, worked for the trade union movement since 1979 um, until I retired in 2012. Um, and for most of that time, I was a negotiator um, with a series of trade unions, uh, but I never changed my employer. So I went through four different mergers uh, <laughs> and ended up with Unite. But I started with ASTMS and the White Collar Staff Union and worked my way through that, that, that field. Um, and I ended up as director of research with Amicus and, and Unite, the last two unions that um, employed me. Um, and I think it was during that period in particular that I, I really got an insight into how relationships were not working between Labour and, and the trade unions. Um, let me go back firstly to trade unions and Labour. There is sometimes an assumption, obviously not by this audience, that trade unions are naturally affiliated to the Labour Party. Well, of course they're not. Um, there's 54, I think, affiliated unions in the TUC at the present time, 14 of which are affiliated to the Labour Party. Your mathematics amongst you will tell you that 40 are not. Um, of those 14 unions, of course, they do represent nearly 50% of the trade union membership of the, um, of the TUC. But that's not the only relationship between trade unions and Labour, because just because a union is not affiliated to Labour doesn't mean to say they don't have a relationship with Labour. Um, and for most, there is a natural affinity to look towards the Labour Party as the party which will best help them achieve their aims and objectives in, in their work. The, um, the first priority of our membership in trade unions is collective bargaining. It is the ability to have a voice in the workplace and an influence in the workplace. The politics for the membership is secondary. Half our members in Unite probably do not vote Labour. That's the reality of trade union membership today. We did surveys, certainly in Amicus, before we, we merged into Unite, and those very wide surveys um, demonstrated to us that we weren't talking to a membership which was automatically uh, Labour supporters when it came to elections. So therefore, there wasn't a natural affiliation of individual members towards the political uh, objectives of, of trade unions. But there's a recognition, particularly in the last 20 or 30 years, that Parliament has a great deal to say and a great part to play in how workplaces function. Whether it's through uh, structural changes or whether it's through legislative changes, uh, there's a big influence there. And so there was a recognition that there was a need for a political activity. But the relationships that trade unions have with the Labour Party, in my experience, are primarily at the top. They don't really filter down. I'm also a Labour Party member and have been for most of my life. And I've 
been to branch meetings. In the past, I hasten to add, rather than currently. Um, and, and the reason for that, quite frankly, is because they weren't much use to go to. Um, there wasn't much um, involvement. There wasn't much democracy for the ordinary Labour Party member. And that was one of the problems which evolved, I think, particularly post-93, 94. And the relevance of the Labour Party to trade unions on a day-to-day -day basis became less obvious to individual trade union members. Now, sure, it was great, 1997 to 2001, what I would describe as the honeymoon period, um, when steps were taken, there was great support, there was great joy, and we made some progress in some of the areas that, that John has outlined in, in, in that time. A lot of that, of course, was EU-driven. A lot of it came from Europe. The Labour Party picked it up, ran with it, family-friendly policies, great. But no, would they have happened with or without affiliation from trade unions? I suspect they would in any event have happened. Why are trade unions related? Why do we have a, a sort of relationship that we have with, with, with the party? Well, it is to gain influence. It is to have an impact and to help us achieve our basic aims. But in truth, from what I've seen over the last 15, 20 years, we are a little more than a lobby group. We are listened to. Are we heard? I don't think so. And I think the proof of the pudding is that we're not heard. We are listened to and not heard. There's a great difference between our relationship with the party during periods of opposition as opposed to periods of government. Let me give a classic example of this. In 1997, at the beginning of the, the year, in January, in fact in December 96, a factory for which I had responsibility for announced it was going to close, as was quite common in those days, the day before Christmas break, with the loss of a thousand jobs. Naturally, the trade unions, and it was predominantly um, the, the T&G, uh, and, and uh, MSF at that time, who were the main unions in that factory. And we got together and we campaigned and we put, we put together a business plan, we put together all sorts of things. And we sought political support and we got it from the Labour Party. Tremendous support at local level and at national level. And we even managed to get a select committee, raise the issues and have a chance to present our evidence against the company's evidence of this closure. And that all went extremely well. We won the select committee, he says, as the person that gave the evidence. Um, but I think we did. We, 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 we convinced the select committee that what the company was doing was not justified. And then the election came in 97. And the factory process of closure continued. Silence from the Labour Party. They no longer wanted to be directly involved in the trade union battle to save those 1,000 jobs and all the knock-on jobs. And the answer is, it's, it's different being in government. I recognise that. Most people would recognise that. Um, there are wider responsibilities, perhaps, and it's easy in opposition to come up with all the answers that you would do if we were there, but once you're there, <coughs> they don't always happen. So opposition and government, two different aspects. During the period of government, I had the dubious responsibility of assisting and preparing our senior negotiating officials um, with uh, their briefs for the Warwick um, deba no, sorry, debate. Well, he said debacle. Um, 
And I suspect the debacle is closer than, than the debate. I've never been through a process like that in my life, and uh, I went through it twice, actually. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's not something which merits any great um, enthusiasm. It, it was it was farcical, quite farcical over a weekend. But I bring you back to Warwick because that's where we were. Um, <laughs> um, we we spent a weekend in Warwick, <laughs> um, and and that was um, a real eye opener as negotiations in inverted commas went on into the night. You had constituency parties, you had the parliamentarians, and you had the trade union bloc as well. Um, and the trade union bloc went last because that would turn over everything else that had gone before, supposedly. And you ended up with this infamous Warwick Agreement um, for the 2005 election, I think it was. It was done in 2004 um, as the policy of, of, of the union. And it was included and referenced in the manifesto of that time, if you recall. And it was heralded, I think, with 50 gains for the trade union movement and 50 things that the party were doing for the union. Um, it was fine on paper. Uh, it didn't really amount to an awful lot at the end of the day. Um, and not all uh, of those objectives were really gained. But it gave us an impetus. It gave us a reason to campaign amongst our members to vote for Labour because we were going to get implementation of the Warwick Agreement. But I think it was not honest and it wasn't truthful. So looking to the future, um, and, and John has expressed his views on, on the latest developments in, in the Labour Party, um, which I don't necessarily agree with in their entirety. Um, it's certainly different. Um, the, the fact is that trade unions have changed. Trade unions have started to think about how they organise. Trade unions and the TUC have started to build relationships outside their particular movements, have started to work with people that have campaigning objectives and share the responsibility to achieve those objectives where, where they're shared. Um, and if you like, to a certain extent, and my own union, Unite, has, has gone a long way in dealing with that in terms of creating community branches where people can join, not because they're in work, but because they have an interest. Um, they don't have to be employed. They are members of the union. They don't have to affiliate to any party or anything. They just have to be committed to the, the values of, of the movement they're joining. And maybe that's exactly what um, the supporters of Jeremy Corbyn saw was happening um, and used a very similar mechanism um, to very great effect, I think everybody would have to agree, in terms of bounding together uh, a lot of people with, with a common view. I'm not sure that common view is necessarily the right view. But it does demonstrate at least that there is some hope within the Labour Party that there are people now who are willing not only to listen, but maybe also to hear what the trade unions are saying. And yes, it's many, many of the things that John was mentioning that we missed out on, the party missed out on, the trade unions missed out on, without question, uh, some of the opportunities that were presented to them over that period of time but they really did become extremely frustrated. Um, and it almost does seem to us that we're working closely and engaged with policy formulation in the trade union movement and hopefully trying to persuade our political partners of the same direction, that the time that people listened to us was in the lead up to elections. They listened to us because we paid. And rather than the the, the right-wing view of us being the political paymasters, I think it's the reverse. I think 
the party uses trade unions, drags them along, takes their money, and if they win, that's it. And I think that's a very sad reflection because I think our values are very similar. Our means of getting to our objectives are sometimes different, but the core principles are the same. Um, and I think there's a massive job now to be done to rebuild that sort of relationship. And I happen to think that the current leadership, once it beds in, once it expands a little and brings in a wider dimension, I think they have a better chance of doing that than the leaderships that we've seen previously. Thank you. Thanks.